This is Masters Cast, the first He-Man and She-Ra podcast, episode number 75 for Sunday, September 19th, 2021. Hey everyone, thanks for downloading as always. I'm John Callis, also known as The Shadow. Is that how I say it? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you again? Great start. Yeah, well, continue amongst yourselves, they'll get it. <laughs> I am Katie Carty Hiley, I think also known as Rainbow Bright. <laughs> I am Martin Penny, also known as Wacky Martin. I am Leanne Hanna, also known as Stratos Maka. And I'm Josh Lioncourt. Also known as just Lion Court. Oh. We're just on a super sugar high from watching the new CG Netflix He-Man and the Masters of the Universe 2021 cartoon, which I have. Do we know what, what is the acronym we're going to use for that? Because like we use just I feel like Motu and Pop for the filmation He-Man and She-Ra. So should this one be like H-M-O-T-U? No, because or? every series has been called... He-Man and the Master Universe, uh, yeah. basically. Right, well, like, like that call, was the, technically the name of the Mike Young and the right, Filmation. We call Mike Young MYP. We always, or 2000X. Yeah, I feel like I yeah. call the cartoon MYP. I think I saw somebody say hat, mo, mo, how would you say that? Hat Motu? Um, I, I saw they typed it be, out online. So I, I was this, like, I don't know. Sure. I think this one should be just CG Motu. CG that makes Motu. more sense. Netflix net motu net. (laughs) (laughs) The problem, the problem with that is that we also have Revelation, which is also Netflix. I feel like we shouldn't. There shouldn't be ambiguity. Like this is this is this one's called the CG. You know, this at least in like the media, the reviews and stuff. This has been the CG He Man in the Master of the Universe. Like I've seen it mostly written that way. So can it be even shorter? Could we just do like CGH? Uh, I don't like, know. I like CG Motu, but yeah, I like CG Motu. Yeah, I like CG Motu. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I've been overruled. It's like, until the it's, next CG Motu comes out in like five years, and then we're screwed. But you know. yeah, I feel like it's <laughs> a, CG Motu two. <laughs> I love it. That's what we can call season two. It's catchy. <laughs> well, also, it, it, it also CG sounds like a, a uh, initials for Castle Grayskull as well. So they're trying to look for it. I like it. He's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sold now. I'm totally sold. Oh, well, now that we have that out of the way. Right. <laughs> did y'all all watch it? Indeed. No. Of course you did. Shut up. I didn't get up early before work so I could watch like half the episodes and then be sleepy all day. <laughs> oh, wait, I And did. I certainly did not watch it while I was at work. <laughs> <laughs> so How is that? That's no different to me than listening to music at work. Yeah, I think I did no work. Yeah, it could enhance, <laughs> it could enhance your productivity. <laughs> it didn't, I assure you. <laughs> Okay, to Martin's supervisors, he will put in the vacation day <laughs> at a later date. Adam basically took the day off to just watch it with, just binge it with me um, after we got, well, he went to the chiropractor in the morning. That's right. I was like waiting for him to come back because I was You're like, like excuse I can't, I can't me, start until he gets home. 
It's like, but why yes. are we making appointments on He-Man Day? <laughs> For real. How dare you have pain? But... <laughs> Well, for those who don't know, right, so the CG He-Man in the Masters Universe is a brand new, completely rebooted, revamped, remythosed Masters of the Universe. It's on Netflix. The entire first season has dropped. So that's 10 episodes of fun and excitement um, available now if you have Netflix. There are toys coming. I believe the street date for Walmart for the toys in the States, at least, is October 1st. Not to say you won't find them before then. Um, but uh, I think we should do a spoiler-free thought process first before we delve into the show. So we'll let you know when we start spoilers. Um, so if you haven't watched it, but if you just want our general opinion, you can at least listen to the episode for the next like 10 minutes. Yeah. So, uh, who wants to start? Who's going to be real positive? Not Josh. So let's go to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just ribbing you, Josh. Uh, of see. see, my personality in this episode is going to like mimic the CG show. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I'll go. Okay. So, what I loved about this series is that it's just off the rails in the best way possible like they just threw in a bunch of references but also threw out all expectations so they're not like pigeonholing themselves into one any one particular mythos any one particular canon they're just like picking and choosing from all over the place throwing stuff together so it doesn't have to like make sense in quotes um that you can't see but that's what i'm doing with my fingers um <laughs> as far as past canon goes. And some people that will annoy them, but to me, it was really freeing and just let them just have fun. And I really think they did. And I think that came across in the storytelling. And it, like, I know that was one of the first things a lot of us were saying when we saw bits of the show before the actual season premiere, we were like, oh my God, this looks so fun and just cool and exciting, whatever. And it was that, but it was also more than that. like. I know we were all like texting each other while we were watching it and we like got to a certain episode we're like oh my god i'm like scared now <laughs> that just got creepy um so it's not all just fun and games but it's definitely this the, the feeling i got behind it from all of the people that worked on it was they had fun making this and that came across in the finished product so it was a very enjoyable experience for me um and because there were no like rules they were following necessarily i was totally okay with all of the changes they made um because like you know we i think the first character we see is well i can't really never mind that's a spoiler but even the first character we see we know and love and she looks completely different than we've ever seen her before um and i'm like okay cool she's completely different then everything else can be completely different and i'm gonna be cool with that too and a lot of it was and I, I was cool with it and i'm like yeah bring it on bring on more i'm 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 here for it if i could piggyback off something you said there i yeah. loved how you said it was freeing because that's a perfect way i think to describe my experience with it because you know 
I don't want to compare it to Revelation per se, because that is a it's a completely different monster. But going mm -hmm. into Revelation, we had certain expectations, I think, as fans, because it was a spiritual continuation, if you will, of the 80s kind of canon, like your general 80s canon. So not only did we know certain things that were most likely going to happen, like so they weren't necessarily a surprise to us. We also, I feel, are more harsh on something like Revelation when it does deviate from something that we want like you know one of my immediate comments in revelation was why wouldn't they contact shira like despite despite rights issues right it's like that's a big gap for me in the revelations plot plot line um which may be explained in part two and other seasons we'll see but um for this one it was freeing because i went into it with no expectations of that right like and mm -hmm. this is not a spoiler i'm just saying maybe adam is not a twin maybe there is no horde right we don't you know like the, you're going i'm going into it with the expectations of them creating an entirely new mythos using existing elements from masses of the universe uh so it was absolutely freeing and i didn't have as many of those um fan cringy moments as I did in Revelation just because I was kind of looking at this with a completely um, blank slate uh, if you will so I, I like you Katie I had a lot of fun and I thought that it was fantastic and I I have to give it some time to um, simmer but I have a feeling if I was forced to rank all of the Motu and Pop cartoon media, I would be ranking this one eventually above New Adventures, Mike Young, and Revelation. So we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, I'm interested to see how all of our rankings change over time because, yeah, it's it's up there for me too. How about um, Leanne? Um, I pretty much agree with everything you guys said. Um, I knew going into this that, I mean, obviously it was going to be its own thing. And I felt that made me more excited for it because I was like, you know, bring it on. Like with the She-Ra show, the Netflix mm -hmm. She-Ra show, um, I felt, you know, I could accept it for what it was. I, I knew it wasn't like a, a direct continuation of, you know, the old filmation series. So I could you know, go into it with, no, with an open mind. And that's what I did with this one. And um, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought that it was, um, it just had a really nice blend of humor and character building. Um, you know, it's got the lessons in there that you would expect from a He-Man show. Um, I think anybody who says that this is like he-man and name only i don't understand that because it took so many elements from different parts of the mythos and you know crafted its own story but the heart of he-man was there i felt throughout mm -hmm. the whole thing can i um, i want to just say thank you for saying that and we should go into that maybe in the spoiler review the common um complaint or criticism i see online which is kind of actually low i haven't actually seen a lot of complaints for this show surprisingly um is that it's he-man in name only and i could not disagree more yeah. with that statement yeah i i don't understand that i 
you know, I feel that maybe that's a way for people to, I don't know, kind of hand wave the changes or something. But to me, it's still, yeah, it's a different, um, you know, mythos and the characters are a bit different and, but it's still, it's still He-Man. You know, it still has those same elements. It's just, you know, repackaged in a more modern way. And it's geared towards kids, obviously. Um, But I think there was plenty in there for adults to enjoy as well. There were lots of little Easter eggs and in-jokes and things like that Mm -hmm. um, that make it fun for adults, too. So I thought it was a really nice blend of, you know all of the things that I think that makes He-Man great in the first place. So I really enjoyed it. How about Martin? And then we'll go to, you know, who <laughs> <laughs> you're he's like, this episode, he's like, Josh. he's like, he's like, how dare him play moderator and put me last. We're saving the best for last. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I went into this series and not particularly excited, um, to be honest, um, and after I saw the first couple of trailers, I thought, oh, it looks fun, but I don't know if it's for me. Um, I wasn't overly keen on some of the designs. Um, weirdly, wasn't overly keen on the song in the trailer, but that is now it's been stuck in my head for about three days. And yes. <laughs> it's a great piece of music. Um, <laughs> so I, I ended up really enjoying it. Um, I like that it was very fresh and very different because uh, I think you can't just keep remaking the Filmation series every couple of years and expect different results because <laughs> that seems to be what generally they have been doing in the past. They like they experimented a bit with the new adventures and they were like, nope, nobody likes that. Let's remake the Filmation show. And then Revelation was essentially let's continue the Filmation show but make it a bit different. And this is like as you said um a completely different thing to what has come previously um with all the different very familiar story elements and yet changing things around so that it it does feel very different and i really enjoyed that about it um i am not a big fan of cg animation um maybe i am just stuck in the past <laughs> but i i don't really tend to enjoy cg based shows but i ended up really liking the animation as well i think in particular like the lighting um and the way like the transformations were drawn and the character designs uh, especially for the villains uh really grew on me over the course of the series um so yeah i thoroughly enjoyed it great great theme song the the best theme song we have had (laughs) Um, I've had that thing on repeat since it dropped on Apple Music on Friday I I mean I couldn't tell you what the words are Um, (laughs) my head just keeps going (laughs) that is my only complaint about the theme song is I had to turn on the closed captioning on Netflix to understand the words in the chorus (laughs) (laughs) the power is it's very good but I don't know what you're saying (laughs) they just need to enunciate a little better on the chorus (laughs) (laughs) I will say um, what you you just said something that reminded me of something that was 
for myself as well, Martin. Um, as far as the animation went, when I saw the very first trailer that I laid eyes on, I was my eyes got really big and I was like, oh God, oh God, what is this? But it really didn't take me long to get over that. Um, like by the end of that trailer, whichever one it was, I was just like, okay, I'll give this a shot. But yeah, it was very jarring at first, just because I'm like you, I don't watch a lot of that type of, or even new animation, except for like Pixar movies, um, which I guess some of those are very CGI these days. I just watched Luca last night and I had no trouble with that. So whatever, I'm being hypocritical here. But I guess it's just, it's very, very, I don't I don't even know how what to call this. Is there a, a word for this type of CG animation? Well, I think or, it, so all of the Pixar stuff is CG, but I, it for each Pixar movie, right, of its time and era had a huge production budget. And I think the problem, I usually had with CG animation on television is the budget wasn't there to make it look very good. So I'm I'm trying to think of like there was some show on Nickelodeon I remember called like Jimmy Neutron, I believe. <laughs> and I remember trying to watch it because I, I liked the premise and I just was like, this looks horrible. Like this CG looks like go back to 2D animation. And I think we're now at a place for television animation that the CG looks spectacular, like kind of a, a Pixar movie level from a few years back, right? So yeah. I think that's what really helped too, because I don't like video games that are that 3D like that. I don't like um, most properties. Like I still would prefer Disney to do a traditionally animated um, musical as opposed to like, you know, Frozen, um, yes. which is CG. So that's no, me. Can I let me jump in really quick since I haven't said anything for quite some time. <laughs> I was giving uh, you the longest space. This is, yeah, the, this the is just uh, yeah, bring us home, just, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a comment on the uh, on the animation thing. I think that uh, what you just said there is right, but I would I would argue that the about the budgets, but I would argue that the the budgets for television are getting larger in general. It's not just animation, right? That's like true. 10 20 years ago something like game of thrones would have never existed right like the whole landscape yeah. of entertainment is shifting right now toward streaming and toward more um television style uh storytelling rather than movie style uh, storytelling and tv shows now have those budgets of films in a lot of cases now and i think that's just spilling over into the animation side of things as well well, that I do think um, that we've probably um, held you back long enough, Lion Court. <laughs> so I just unleash to say, the beast. I was jarred in the beginning, and now I love it. That's all. That's where I was going. So, yes, Josh, take us home. <laughs> all right. I have had quite an interesting roller coaster ride with this show. Um, in general so i i fall somewhere in between you know the four of you who obviously seem uh, very very positive and also between the the people that say this is he-man in the name only i could not disagree with those people more so um i definitely don't think this is he-man in name only um that said i went into this show uh, with extremely low expectations, as you all can attest to in the uh, in in our little master's cast chat that we have going on, um, I did not expect to uh, 
to like this show. The trailers really turned me off. A lot of the premise stuff that we knew going in turned me off. Um, and I had extremely low expectations. That's that with that mindset going in, this show was much less of a departure from the main master's mythos than I expected in that mindset going in. Um, so any, so I, that is number one. I don't think this was a humanity name only like this actually was much closer to the main mythos that we have kind of built up over the years. On the flip side, there's a lot of fundamental things about this show that I don't like. There's a lot to like about this show, but there's also like a lot of just fundamental things that are not for me. That does not mean this is a bad show. Um, it just means that this show is really not to my taste in a lot of in a lot of areas, and we'll get into more of that when we start talking more specifics in the spoiler um, section because I definitely want to bring up uh, some of those bits and pieces. But this is also not a terrible show, which is what I expected going in. Um, I like it more than New Adventures, which I did not expect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought, oh, we're finally going to get a master's show that makes new adventures feel better than it is. <laughs> and, um, and that did not happen. So I will, I, I, at this moment anyway, subject to change, I rank this one above new adventures. Um, the, I don't really have a problem with changing things. It's more the, the what the changes were that don't appeal to my sensibilities and my tastes and my things I like in storytelling. And there's, there is stuff in this show that I do like as well. So it's, it's very much a mixed bag for me in a lot of, um, a lot of areas, but, um, on the whole, I did not hate it. I thought, I thought it was going to be excruciating to get through 10 episodes before doing this podcast. And, <laughs> It was not. It, it was not excruciating. Um, it was just kind of a mixed bag. I will say, throughout all of Masters, and I think this is this. I made this point a little bit during Revelation, and I want to make it you know, during our discussion on Revelation. And I want to make it again now because I think it's a thing that fans lose sight of, uh, really across any property. But it lately has been especially noticeable with the uh, with the Masters property because we're getting all this new stuff. I think that it's really, really important to remember that over the span of 40 years now, right? Next year is going to be the 40th anniversary of the original release of like the toys and the com mini comics and stuff. Oh dear God, you made 40 me feel really years, old right? just then. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go and cry now. <laughs> the, the year after that, it's going to be 40 years since the Filmation cartoon debuted. So we're, we're now 40 years into this franchise and over those 40 years we have had so many different really different mythos for masters whether it's humans the tribesmen coming out of the jungle or filmation or new adventures or the ladybird story books or the uh, uh golden books uh of the 80s or uh mike young or whatever right we've had even even some of the like coloring books had like weird takes on the overall premise of masters we've had so many different versions of it 
And over the span of those 40 years, one of the things that I've done, and I think a lot of fans have done, they just forget that they've done, is we pick and choose from all the different things. This is going to be part of my own personal, I don't know if anybody here listens to The Incomparable, but they're like a pop culture podcast that uh, talk about everything, and they've got a bunch of Masters fans over there as well. Um, but they... Uh, they talk about, or, um, they talk about your head cannon, right? Like where mm-hmm. a thing is not, not official canon, but because there's different versions of this, that, or the other thing, I have adopted this in my head cannon as my personal truth for this detail in this property or whatever. And I've, over the years, I, and I think a lot of other fans have done that with masters too, right? Like we have you know picked a thing from mike young that okay this is my truth now for for you know skeletor is keldor now that's the truth right like that was never officially truly completely established in the 80s it was a a hinted at sort of in the mini comic that fans ran with and then mattel really built on with mike young but keldor was you know is pretty pretty well established now in a variety of ways but really wasn't until 2002 um but like before that it's like you could take that as your headcanon right keldor is skeletor or whatever because it wasn't official um in any of the versions so we've got all of these bits and pieces that we build on we build on and there's been versions that i don't really take and have part of my headcanon, right? New Adventures does basically in my headcanon does not exist. That doesn't mean New Adventures shouldn't exist. It just means for me, there was nothing in it that I liked well enough to accept. Um, and I know I'm in the minority because I actually preferred the New Adventures mini comics over the cartoon. So those actually, I thought had a little bit, slightly better story <laughs> than the cartoon did. And I'm like, I might try to at some point, you know, incorporate bits and pieces of that. But in general, New Adventure is not part of my, any, no, nothing I'm going to draw from uh, in my headcanon from that. In this, I kind of feel the same way as I do about New Adventures as far as that goes. There isn't really anything in this show that I personally would want in my master's headcanon. And that's okay. It's, it's, you know, it's like new adventures or like, uh, you know, He-Man coming out of the jungle and stuff. It's like, I don't, I don't begrudge those things existing. They're fine, but, um, not part of my own personal mythos. And that's, that's okay. But they're curiosities, right? Like I, I like hearing about the jungle He-Man or the new adventures and little bits and pieces from that because, oh, it's interesting. That's an interesting take. That's not my take, but it it can exist it's fine it's kind of like with batman right like i like uh the 89 batman movie a lot like that is sort of like my batman that's my favorite batman and the 60s show i have nostalgia for i will watch it from time to time i bought the entire series on itunes when it was on sale for 20 dollars because that's about as (laughs) much as i like that show uh (laughs) i have nostalgia for it but i don't think it's a good show and there is nothing in that show that is part of my personal batman headcanon right like it's just not it's fun and stupid it is hilarious that you just brought this up i am literally sitting at my desk here and while the sentences before you mentioned batman i'm staring at my batman uh, like Burton anthology set and my <laughs> Batman 66, the complete television series box sets. I'm thinking after Josh stops uh, his point, 
I'm going to say it's kind of how I look at 66 Batman versus 89 Batman. Both are Batman, right? But both are different. And um, both can exist and you can enjoy both of them. In different levels. Right. right? And neither is Batman, quote unquote, in name, right? I was not born in the 60s. My first exposure, my real exposure to Batman was Batman 89. So who is someone from the 60s to say, well, Batman 89 is not Batman? Well, that is Batman to me. That was my first experience. So if this was a child's first experience to He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, that's how it is. There's no way that you can teleport them back to the 80s. Like entertainment just doesn't work that way. If it did, people would never make new TV shows and we would just be still airing old TV shows all the time. You know what I mean? Like things will evolve, they'll change. You're going to reinvent the properties. It's happened with Turtles and Transformers and G.I. Joe and My Little Pony. Um, (laughs) Hey, don't be hating on My Little Pony. That was a good (laughs) friend. Katie, I feel our friendship is magic. And so oh. there's no harm there. No. <laughs> um, so, so, but anyway, I I love that you brought up the Batman point because I spot on what you're right there. Yeah. So this this show doesn't for me have anything that I will draw on. This is not ever going to be my go to Masters series by any stretch. Like it's it it's there's too many fundamental things I don't like about it. But that doesn't mean it's a bad show. It's just not a show that was. Uh, written to my tastes because like the changes are not really the problem for me it's what those changes were and there's reasons why i don't like those changes which we'll get into in the spoiler section but but this show is not bad and i think anybody who is a masters fan should at least try this show if you don't like it that's okay um you know i don't like new adventures either i watched you know a lot of episodes of it it never clicked for me and that's okay there are fans like martin over here who really like new adventures and i'm glad that new adventures exists for martin i think my my nephew who is six years old right now he uh has been watching for the last year he has been watching the filmation and he loves the filmation cartoon and he knows all the names of the characters now and all all of that stuff he he's really gotten into it um he surprisingly uh went ballistic over my revelation figures when he was here a couple of weeks ago which i did not expect because he has not seen revelation but he thought those were the coolest human toys he has ever seen in his life when that really kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop because like i like the revelation <laughs> toys but like they're okay they obviously appeal to him he loved those but i think he'll love this new show too and that's that's fine. That's that's good. I'm actually looking forward. I am way more looking forward to watching this with him than the enjoyment of the show warrants, just because it will be fun to watch him experience it. So, Excellent. Well, that was our spoiler free. So now we can get into spoilers, my friends. We're going to cut you. loose. We are going to cut loose. I think we were, we agreed ahead ahead of time to talk about the overall, right? The, are we going to do the overall story arc? Right. And the premise of the show and and things like that. Yes. Well, something that's, it's interesting. And you brought this up, I think Josh earlier in your spoiler free review, um, uh, of people saying, um, and you said it, Leanne, too, uh, but I'm piggybacking off of another point of Josh's about like this being He-Man in name only. Um, it pulls from so many different parts of 
other canons of Motu, whether it be Filmation or Mini Comic um, or Classics BIOS <clears throat> or um, <laughs> DC. I, I feel com- like, okay, can, like, can, but I, I'm, can I? What I wanted to say though was like the thing starts off. My, I want to show you how I evolved real quick as as a fan. <laughs> Immediately, I was like, do we really have to borrow from like an Adora type premise to enhance Adam? But then I said to myself, John, this is fresh. This is new. And then I slapped myself in the face. <laughs> that, that's a little, a little much, a little intense. You know, sometimes you got to wake yourself up. And I said, this is, it's going to be fine. Do we and then have an like, intervention right here on the podcast? Yeah. I'm, just, I'm wondering. What I like it sounds like unhealthy behavior. <laughs> even though it's a little bit of an Adora premise, right? They draw from other uh, Adam or He-Man, for lack of, you know, premises where in the mini comic you know he comes out of a tribe of tigers in this one he starts out in a tribe of tigers so like you know it's it's different yet same it's pulling ideas from the mythos and and you know your casual filmation fan they're not going to remember the he-man and the power sword mini comic probably you know what i mean so someone might look at that and be like okay adam is um he's lost in this tribe of tigers like and he was raised by a tribe of tigers like what what is this it's like well but there's actually established canon for that that they that they lifted from so that was kind of my point i i like other fans i went into it already saying like oh why are you doing that but then i slapped myself and i rebooted just like the show (laughs) So everybody just needs to slap themselves and they'll yeah. love the show. Okay. <laughs> Although don't come after me. If you slap yourself and you yeah. get harmed, I take no responsibility for your actions. I, I think it's really interesting that several, several of you have talked about them pulling from a lot of different things. Like I didn't really have that reaction so much from this show because I this show felt to me like it was mostly a... Uh, and I mean, I understand the legal minutiae and the rights issues and everything else like we've talked about to death over the years that we've been doing this podcast. And I understand that that plays a part, but just from, strictly from a fan point of view, like I felt like this show was a lot of let's just draw from the classics bios. Like that's what this show feels like to me. But if you take that down another level, the classics bios was basically just trying to take all this disparate versions of the property and try to come up with a cohesive whole and that's sort of what they're to some degree doing with this way too much from the classic bios for me like the classic bios were i kind of felt the same way i do about the show right they're an interesting oddity but very little there that are part of my head canon <laughs> and i think that's partly uh where that's coming from with this show too is i feel like a lot of it it didn't feel to me like oh they're pulling this from filmation or they're pulling this from the mini comics it just felt like oh okay they pulled out various pieces from the bios but in turn those i guess were pulled from other things they, but they pulled some of those awesome names from those classic bios. <laughs> no. See, like, that's, that's, this is one of the many things. We haven't seen Squidish Rex yet. <laughs> you know. Well, Only Raquel Welsh. Yeah, wait for season two, because they did mention the merfolk, right? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I've got some, I've got some theories. Ooh. Well, I'm how excited. about this? All right, real quick. So we, because we need to get into the beef, I feel. So let's let's go through real quick the plot. So Adam has been 
Um, uh, back when he was a kid, Keldor steals Adam. They go to Grayskull. Keldor wants the power. Um, the Eldress of Grayskull, aka what we would think of as the Sorceress, um, ends up having to present Keldor with two options to wield the power of Grayskull. There's a power sword and a, a scepter. Keldor, being the little snake rat he is, he picks the scepter and uh, ends up channeling Havoc uh, instead of, you know, the good power of Grayskull. And this, like, starts to turn him into semi-Skeletor. Adam tries to defend the Eldris, yada, yada, yada. Eldris makes the castle disappear, sends Adam off, and um, Keldor is left to his own, you know, devices. And Adam ends up being transported to a tribe of uh, well, it's not all just tigers. There are also like tribesmen and women in this tribe, but like mm-hmm. out in the outskirts of the jungle, um, r- well removed from Eternos and the palace, um, to hide him there. And he's kind of raised by Cringer, who finds him. You're like, yay! I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like obviously like a long. Well, he probably goes through. I don't. I couldn't really tell how old Adam was in that. Maybe those first scenes, like I don't know, like maybe like. I think six they say in the first episode, it's been ten years since then. So I was taking it that he was like, and also like he doesn't remember his life before. Right. So I was kind of thinking like he had to be like three or four, but I don't. Yeah, know. let's go with like four because I feel like when he when we revisit him, he's probably like fourteen. He looks visually maybe fourteen. I don't think he I can drive know. yet. The flashbacks right. look a little older than a three or four year old to me. Like, being, yeah. I, don't know, I would have said like maybe five or six. Yeah, because he's picking up the sword and defending the sorceress or eldress, whatever. Yeah, I don't think a three or four year old would do that. Well, given like our ages, we don't have to mention that. I might also just be <laughs> thinking like I still look like I'm in my twenties, so like he obviously is too. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe he is like sixteen, or maybe just about to be turned sixteen when he's regular size. Yeah, <laughs> regular um, size. I loved his redesigned outfit. Um, yeah, me which too. Also looks a little Adora, but I, that's okay. It does. It does look a lot Adora, though. Like the yeah. turtleneck, even the white turtleneck. Oh, yeah, like there were that. there were a lot of Adora elements, which I liked. Um, also, I liked the kind of tiger stripe mm-hmm. pattern that was woven in there that ca- kind of connects him to Cringer and the tribe. I thought that that was pretty cool. Well, like, I, I, I think it's a slick design. Something I picked up on the rewatch, like, you know, because when you watch it the first time, sometimes you're just like, oh, my gosh, need to remember all of this. When he's a kid and he picks up the sword for the first time, that's when that bracelet appears on his wrist that kind of like connects him to the sword, I guess. Yeah. And he still has that bracelet, you know, when he's at the tribe. Yeah, I noticed it, too. Second time around. (laughs) Yeah, see, a second time, I still just figured he was already wearing it for whatever reason. I did not pick up that it appeared then. That's cool. Well, and at the tribe, his best friends are Cringer and Crass, who I'm going to assume is Ram Man's daughter because she's wearing her father's helmet. They don't mention him by name except father. Um, And she does become Ram Ma'am. Which oh, I, I didn't hilarious. even think of her being his daughter. Yeah, I think yeah, that makes perfect sense. Right? Because it's probably <laughs> never put that together. It'll yeah. be another lovely moment for us fans, like in a season two, when they probably reveal what happened uh, to her father. Um, 
the Are biggest we still just change... doing the synopsis or can I jump in for a No, second? jump in, jump in. We're okay. going to be all over the place. There's so okay. much there's okay. so much to unpack on this, I feel. Yeah, I wasn't it's... sure like whether I should interrupt you and how far you want we're going to go down the storyline. Interrupt so... me, slap me in the face, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just want to want to say a couple of things. So, when one is I uh one of my my like fundamental things with the show, I really don't like the uh, the fact that they made everybody younger, basically. Um, that said, like they, they they were pushing the limits for that with for me in Mike Young, right? Because Tila and Adam were both supposed to be sixteen for that show, and that was like really pushing it for me. I really I'm not thrilled with the that they're going even younger on this one. Um, that said, the, uh, I'm much more okay with it with. Uh, Tila and Adam than I was with Duncan that we'll get to in a minute because that's going to tie into something else I want to talk about but uh, I had a really hard time with Duncan I really really do not like him in this show um, however with Cress slash Ram Ma'am I really I feel like I really wish they had just done something else like I don't really have a problem with the character per se I just really I wish that they would have just either created something entirely new or I or I don't know there's some of well, the she's remixing basically with the, playing the Tila role instead of Tila yes yes which is also a little bit strange I feel like we could have they could have okay I don't I, I totally understand that there is a lack of female characters in the master's side of the property I totally get that and I am 100% on board if they want to create new characters um, to address that. But they exacerbate the problem in this show by combining Tila and the Sorceress. They don't even like, I mean, I feel like they, we could have had, we could have had Tila be more like the the warrior type Tila that, that now Crass has kind of taken over as. And, and then had the, the, you know, had like the bird lady sorceress kind of thing uh, as the the magic wielder of the group. Like we could have done something like that. They could have brought in the what we think of now as like the green goddess character or they could have just created something entirely new. I'm not not sure I am completely on board with the let's take you know ram man and and completely change that character now if i i'm not uh completely i have the same problem with orko too that we're going to talk about later i am sure but but orko was kind of okay in some respects because he isn't really orko uh we'll talk about that in a little bit um but uh i i wish that they had I, I just I, I think I, I think I would have been happier with just like let Crest be a new character rather than trying to to redo the character. I felt the same way with um, uh, Light Hope in Shira at first, and then got over it because Light Hope in the Shira show is so far removed from Light Hope, the character from the Filmation show, that really didn't matter. It was like, oh, okay, talk about in-name only, right? Light Hope was kind of in-name only. Light Hope in the Filmation show was this magical being who lived in 
the Crystal Castle, that so on and so forth. And in the new show, Light Hope was a hologram that was part of a computer program that was like it was like so far removed that it was kind of sort of serving the same purpose storytelling wise, but was like a character really, really far removed. And Crass is like, let's just take Ram Man and change the, that character um a bit you know more than than i would have liked and i think like i don't need even need ram man in this character ram is not a character i particularly like he's fine i guess but it's not like a core character to me or a character i really care about one way or the other i just feel like they would have been better creating something new for that role if they wanted to or using an existing character that they could have either had more flexibility with like the like the uh the green goddess is not super well established anyway well i think though given other things in the show later on i think they have the green goddess saved for another plot point maybe maybe Um, but but does it would it make you feel better though if it does turn out that ram man is her father yeah that would be that would be that would be better yes so if it does turn out to be that at some point we find that out i can be more accepting you know what i'm going to jump ahead for a minute because this ties in this ties in um remember though in the jungle all of them are scared of both magic and technology they shun it they are scared of it they don't want any part of it so he could not be best friends with a magic wielder in the jungle so they had to have a different character to be his best friend growing up in the jungle Right. But the, my, my thinking was that that could have been Tila, like warrior type Tila, and then the the, the Tila role could have been, t- you know, the, like the sorceress or whatever. Right. Like but she a, becomes a the different... sorceress finally. This is the so. only show where she's finally freaking turned into the sorceress for real. And we've been waiting for this since we were kids. Like, come right. on! I let's, was let's, thrilled with that. But go so ahead. Let, 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 let me let, let me come back to that in a, in one second. Let me just uh, very 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 quickly. Or, the Orko thing. I also went into the show hating the idea of Orko being a robot. They solved that for me 100% by making him not Orko. <laughs> so he, I was joking in our chat after the trailer came out and before the show it was on that, uh, I, you know, uh, Faker is robot, He-Man. And so I'm going to call this new Orko Fako, right? Because <laughs> it's not really Orko. And that was closer to the truth than I could have possibly imagined because that yeah. is basically what this Orko is. And so... That made that Orko way more acceptable to me because it's not so much about changing the character as it was the fact that it's unnecessary change, right? Like in the end, as much as like with the Ram Man thing, I don't like, I don't really mind Tila being, um, you know, having magical powers and whatever. Like I, I'm actually totally fine with that. In fact, Tila is in this show is hands down my favorite character in this series. Like, without question she is the best part of this show but for me but um but uh and and that harkens back her whole using magic thing like it reminds me a lot if anyone listened to to our battleground show this reminds me a lot of the ladybird uh tila who also has magical powers and controls animals and does all of these different things and this kind of felt to me like maybe they drew a little bit from the lady the ladybird books um, I think this is lines. hands down the best Tila ever because she's actually interesting now 
and, <laughs> and she's cool yeah, like because that. she has magic and like to me like i don't mind crass i mean like i would never list her as like one of my top 10 characters you know just like i would never list regular tila as a top 10 character um but they've definitely upgraded tila for me while also keeping a sorceress character eldris and i mean i let's be honest i feel that they're still going to have some type of connection between tila and the eldris um in some point i mean they even have the same voice actress so oh. I, I yeah i really feel that there's still going to be some type of connection like why is it that the eldris is contacting tila you know, to go find the sword and all of that, you know, mm -hmm. bring the sword to the champion and da, 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 da. Like she's contacting Tila, I feel for a reason. There's a reason why she has this connection to Tila. And I, I'm hoping that'll be explained um, in season two. Yeah, I would just like to- um, Oh, go ahead, Martin. Sorry, <laughs> I would just like to backtrack slightly just mm -hmm. to say that I 100% endorse the name Ram Mam, and I think it is a stroke of genius. Thank you, <laughs> agreed. I agreed. I laughed out loud. I thought that was hysterical. I love each name play and wordplay. So, <laughs> well, it's when I I think it was before before I was even aware that Ram Mam was a character because I think when I saw some of the trailers, I was confused as to who was meant to be who. And John was like, "Well, that's Ram Mam," <laughs> and I was like, "Excuse me, <laughs> is that the character's actual name?" <laughs> And he was right, like, yes. I think a lot of people <laughs> in the trailers were assuming that was Tila. Uh, yeah, it wasn't entirely clear from the, the first couple of trailers who was who, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah especially with, with the good guys. Um, they weren't really that recognizable at first. Mm -hmm. um, whereas with the villains, I feel like, you know, straight away, you knew who they were. Um, I mean, especially after they transform. Oh, yeah. I'll say that. But well, with go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's a that's all I was gonna say. I was just gonna say with I think though with Ram Ma'am, uh, people yell about you know gender swapping characters all the time. Like create a new character, right? Don't gender swap. But however, if I may, like to me, I don't know. As a child, I was not like yeah, Ram Man's my favorite character, and I'm sure there are, are a lot of people that think or maybe that Ram Man is their favorite character. Um, but I don't know. I, to me, I'm not as offended as a gender swap there. I think I would have had more of a problem if, say, they gender swapped Duncan. So getting to your Duncan point, Josh, um, <sighs> I didn't mind that Duncan, yeah, that Duncan is no longer, you know, Tila's father. He's now their age. He's their friend. I, I like I like that. The argument could be made, why not use Mechanek or something, right, instead for that? Why does it have to be Duncan? And I just think it's because Man-at-Arms in the lexicon of Masters Universe, I mean, he has had more screen time and um, his name has been out there more than someone like a Mechanek or something that they could have used for this role. So I personally didn't have a problem of making, you know, Duncan younger, their friend and the master of technology. But despite I... being voiced by Kyle from Shira <laughs> and the Princesses of Power... Yes! Um, Josh apparently has a problem with him. <laughs> I do not. I yeah. I, okay. All right. So you we've we've already pushed Adam and Tila down in age, and this isn't even a huger uh, <laughs> change with Duncan, right? Like we're we're taking this character, and basically he's like what a third 
maybe, or quarter of the age of the original character. And maybe he's Duncan he, Jr. You don't know. He make, he ends up being <laughs> a character that, to me, this is going to tie into the next point that I want to make. I'm, I, I know you guys are all going to be really um, dis- in disagreement on, and I'm really actually looking forward to hearing all of your takes on it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead into that for a minute. For uh, But for Duncan, I, he ends up being a character that I just don't care about. I, I think that for this series, you could have left a lot of this the same. And given a man-at-arms whatever character, a... Uh, like a mentor type role to whatever the group is, whether it's just Adam and, and Tila and Kress, which would have been fine, or Adam, Tila, Kress, and you know, pick pick another character that fills a fourth spot or whatever, uh, like whatever it is, you could you could have that group still be what they are, and then have the uh, you know the the Duncan character be someone that they go to for like advice or whatever he doesn't have to still be Tila's father doesn't he you don't need to keep any of those things it, it, but those you, got, are, you have the Eldress in that role and a little bit sort of, of cringer. cringer yeah, yeah. cringer but, I, I but like. she is sort of their magical advisor or whatever right whereas Man Arms could be the techni- technological side like playing that same role but like the he he covers the technical side or whatever like you could do something well, but like for that. me it was already explained that he was the apprentice of cronus who was the former man-at-arms yeah. right but yeah Randor. again I'm not, I'm not that's whatever like i don't dislike that <laughs> and i don't love it either but it's fine but but i think for me like you mentioned Mike Young. So Mike Young, I know they were they were they said they were 16 in Mike Young, but visually they looked like 18. Right, like right. I feel like they looked old enough that like, you know, Adam and Tila could have gone off in the woods, you know what I'm saying? Well, that, <laughs> like, and that was in in this show they look properly aged. Like right. properly and, aged and, for like a like a teenage kind of like adventure, like kind of sort of if you think about it like a, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or like the right. Power Rangers, very appealing to the kids. I so but I think that the, the fact that they were tre- like they it said they were 16 and Mike Young but they didn't like you said they didn't look like it but they also didn't act like it right for the most part like Adam had his moments especially in the the beginning the first three episode pilot thing where he really feels like he's 16 or whatever but for the most part those characters didn't deviate that much and i they felt more like adults than they did teenagers so it for me it was fine i didn't i don't want to you know i'm not real big on this show being about kids i think i could have accepted it more with adam tila and Chris if they had balanced it out with a, a okay but duncan is going to be their their mentor and guide them through some of some of this stuff and they they didn't do that they don't really the i don't really count the eldress in that capacity she's just sort of their like i said like sort of like magical advisor or whatever whereas i feel like a a mentor more more hands-on mentor not mystical magical character would have served this show well for that group but i mean that's just my opinion and that's i want to hear others takes too but i have to make this point what i hated about the mike young show okay and i if you go back to the podcast episodes i know i mentioned this stuff um at least with at times the mike young show was like zodak and the masters of the universe where zodak (laughs) was like again like he was like the parent chastising prince adam same with duncan 
in the Mike Young show. He would often kind of chastise Adam slash He-Man, which I understand, you know, they were playing that parental role. What I like about this show is I don't really have that. Like Randor does that in a few scenes, like immediately once he finds out that, you know, his son is alive, um, he kind of gets into that parent mode. Like, no, you will do as I say, you will give up the sword, you will do this, blah, 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 blah. I kind of like it as the team of misfits, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Adam's more capable. Duncan kind of feels more of the role of like the geeky, um, awkward kid. So like, I think they're positioning themselves though to, you know, to appeal to a, a wide variety of kind of like stereotypical children that would be watching the shows that they have a character to identify with. Um, but I, I understand your point though. Why did you have to do that to Duncan specifically? But for me, it did work and it just might be because he wears orange armor and that's my favorite color. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, okay. So now this this leads into the next point. I'm gonna make, say my piece on this and I really wanna hear what you guys say because this is a really fundamental part of this show. Half the so, episode's about Duncan. <laughs> here's a, a thing, a thing I really, uh, another thing that really uh, does not work for me on this show uh, that, uh, I think that you all disagree on, and that's fine. Um, it, uh, but I want to hear you guys talk talk it through. Is you get a transformation, and you get a transformation, and you get a transformation. They have just like that. That is, I think, for me, the absolute worst part of this entire series. Is like that is so overdone. And in in past series, this does not need to be like like the like the other show. Like I'm, there's a lot of other changes in the show. I'm totally okay with. Like I was okay with Adam being sort of an orphan, but he's still the prince. Things like that. Like those are pretty big changes. Fine with it. It's okay. But they've overdone the transformation thing. So Adam's thing in all versions, pretty much of Masters, is like he's the one that transforms into He Man, and. Tila's thing or man at arms's thing or basically any other character is that they're so good at whatever they are they can hold their own alongside the most powerful man in the universe and at, but adam's thing is that he transforms in this show that's still adam's thing that's basically all adam has everybody else like duncan's already a tech genius he doesn't need to transform Tila's already got her magic she doesn't need to transform we don't need to transform every freaking character let adam be his transformation it's great that Tila's got her magic let her work through that and become more powerful with that grayskull's power does not need to get transferred to everybody in this show it makes it feel generic it makes it feel like the power rangers or the teen titans or whatever like i i dislike the fact that they went this route that we're going to transform everybody and then they did it again with the villains later and i'm just like oh my god we don't need to transform every freaking character in this show like that that part really really is the biggest problem for me with this entire show there's lots of other good stuff but that is i really do not enjoy okay i've been making a lot of noise sorry i have opinions i'm done as yeah, well. do, yeah I, well i don't want to i don't want to capitalize the time i will say let me just say three sentences if you will leanne or something and then then leanne take it over <laughs> i a i don't have a problem with it b there is some precedent for this in previous incarnations and i'll even go as far as to say he transfers the power to cringer to become battle cat in original same with spirit spirit makes less sense than even cringer because at least cringer was like 
kind of with Adam from the beginning, whereas spirit didn't seem to be illustrated that way in, in the canon. She-Ra transfers power to the Maylog to turn her into a human. So I saw that more as a, uh, in the original. In S-Pop, they're all, all the princesses are kind of borrowing off of the power of say, Eth the heart of Etheria. So like that also kind of made me kind of feel like this. Um, C, I actually love how they now justify the the power source and kind of Grayskull being that balance of the light and the dark. Like remember, like the the opening of the movie, like between the, the you know center of the universe, between the borders of light and dark, blah blah blah. So you have the actual good, like the power of Grayskull versus the power of havoc. So I like that Skeletor embraces the power of havoc and infuses his warriors with that, whereas. He-Man, the leader of the good, infuses his warriors, you know, with the with the power of Grayskull. That that's my summary. Go, Leanne. <laughs> well, actually, me let up. me let me just clarify one thing, just to make sure that I'm not. Uh, You're taking up Leanne's time. Not me. <laughs> no, 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 Leanne, Leanne can totally <laughs> go over. I'm not taking away her time at all. Like, uh, but let me just uh, just to clarify, like the way that the all of the stuff with Grayskull and all that. Um, is great like I don't have that's not what I have issue with light in the dark and all of that but it should have been that's He-Man that's Keldor slash Skeletor right like that is who is controlling that part of it and when it goes when it starts spreading out from those two characters it's just like we don't I, it's too much it's too much of a good thing right like it's it gets boring <laughs> to well, me the only thing like, I agree with you is this transfer and Skeletor in the episode makes a joke about this these transformation sequences when they all transform need to be condensed a bit because it does take up a large portion of the episode <laughs> to get them all transformed so i'll give you that they started yeah, condensing them care. later on yeah they did start start condensing it i think a lot of it is the we have the power they want all like the kids watching this they want them to feel included because they're not just going to identify with he-man and i'm not mm -hmm. saying that's a positive that might be a flaw that might be a flaw, but um, I do think that's kind of why, and it's it's something that has been very, very, very successful for something like Power Rangers, which Leanne and I enjoy, which is my segment back to Leanne. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I love Power Rangers, and so this transformation element I was I'm totally on board with, and I really, because I really enjoy the transformation sequences, like even in in like anything like even in this mm -hmm. in the old filmation like part of wh when i would get excited as a kid was waiting to see him transform um same with like thundercats like waiting to see Lionel use the sword I, I don't know like i just even though i know it's repetitive it happens every episode like i freaking love it and so i feel the same way with you know power rangers and i love seeing all the power-ups and things and um, the, what this show did was definitely play off of, you know, a Power Rangers type um, team where they all, you know, have different transformations. Um, even uh, Adam, after he transforms, he has his uh, lightning strike move. Yes, I love it. Um, which is very Power Rangers, you know, have a big power move that you yell out the name. I did think that they used that a bit more than they probably needed to. Yeah. <laughs> they got a lot that. of mileage out of that animation sequence. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I, I like it. And I think um, part of the reason they did it was because it's a more modern thing now. 
you know, with things like Power Rangers, but also um, because it shows, you know, everybody being able to share in the power and not just one person. Um, and I, I mean, I think that's cool. I'm, I'm totally fine with it. So I was telling Shadow before we started the the podcast that like I feel so much more sympathy for his take on King Grayskull because I think I'm feeling the same thing with this like his uh, I think Leanne too you would also mention this back uh, during the 2000X days that you felt like King Grayskull like diminished the specialness of he-Man and that's kind of what I feel about these transformation things like I didn't you know I have much more sympathy for that feeling now because in this one I feel like not just He-Man is diminished but every one of the characters is diminished by this to me like they were what made Tila or Man-in-Arms or whatever any character in any incarnation part of what made them special is they all had their whatever their talent was and could hold their own alongside He-Man who had his own thing. He was destined to get the power sword and channel Grayskull. That was his thing. Everybody had their own things and everybody they were so good at their own things and they were all unique and all different in some way and now it's just everybody transforms. Like that to me it just makes the whole thing feel you know like everybody's it, it took what made all of these characters unique and special and basically just made them like, uh, okay, well, we're just going to all transform now. We're all going to be the same. And but they're not. They but still I, yeah, have like, their individual strengths. I see these transformations as, like, enhancing their individual strengths. Yes. Agreed. That, that's how I look at it. Right. But then what does Adam have? Like, he, he, he has... Gets he gets bigger. Really He's, He's massive. No, no, but what is it enhancing, though? It's not that really. He is the chosen champion, yeah. right? Exactly, and and that is completely, I think, in, in diminished by the fact that well, so everybody else gets the power too. Like I don't know, it does not See, work for, for me. Well, for but, me, it's not the same as King Grayskull, because um, someone can totally throw that at me. Like John, how can you like this when you said? Oh no, I'm not doing that at all. No, no. I'm saying I have more sympathy. Oh for no, 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 for no, no. Opinion, I'm saying no. you know uh, a listener might say. But John, how mm. can you like these transformations, but you hate the fact that King Grayskull exists? My main problem with King Grayskull, which I don't have with this, is uh, like Katie and Leanne just said, this is enhancing their um, already uh, the abilities we know them for anyway. Whereas King Grayskull was literally a carbon copy of He-Man and Battlecat. Like the creativity there was not there. I would have been fine if they used Hero, for example, in the Mike Young show in in place of King Grayskull. Uh, that was my main problem. It was like a visual, it is just He-Man. So as we know it now in this show, Adam and He-Man, that's still very unique. And they mentioned that no one has yielded the power since Grayskull himself. So it is possible we have King Grayskull in this. And I'm just, I'm hoping he looks more like the Revelation King Grayskull than the you know Mike Young carbon copy type thing at least if they use him in a in a season two but for me this Adam is actually he gets to be capable like an Adora does right um he's shown to be very compassionate um and that he he is that like even when he was a child he picked up the sword and tried to protect the Eldress um so I feel it's enhancing the fact that he is the champion and that's maybe one of the reasons why he is the first person 
to wield the power since Grayskull himself. Randor mentions that no king of Eternia has used the power ever just because it's so powerful and they, you know, it's an uncontrollable type thing. So that's kind of how I justify it with with Adam. He he still feels special to me in this and he still feels like the leader of the masters. See, I feel yeah, like Hila um, feels more like the leader to me in some ways. But well, what I like about Tila in this is it kind of like what you you said I think Katie like it's it's enhancing what she has. So she she it you know she should have some type of magic wink wink back in filmation. So it's like <laughs> it's enhancing that and allowing her to become a sorceress cuz remember Evil Lynn in this show is surprised when Tila is able to do a spell without using her hands. Tila, well, I love this aspect, right? Tila is described as a hand witch, so she uses her hands to perform magic. Evil Lynn or Evelyn at first is a word witch because she has to speak the the spells in order for them to occur. Um, so I kind of loved that revelation, for lack of a better term, when <laughs> um, uh, Evil Lynn is like oh my gosh, you didn't use your hands to cast that counter spell against me. So you now you must be a sorceress. So like it was little things like that that I, that, that I loved. And I would also say that, um, I don't know where I was going. The end. Take over. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I love, I love that with Tila as well. Like the fact that she controls magic and all of that. So like Tila, like I said, is like my favorite character in this sh series for sure. I think that all of what you said could be true without the transformation. <laughs> That's all. Like I'm I just... think the transformation, I mean, I can see it as being a, 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 a not a cop-out, but an easy vehicle to kind of like Leanne said, it, 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 same with the, the lightning strikes type thing. It's, it's very Power Ranger, and I don't know if other properties use this because I don't watch other properties <laughs> um so i don't know if there's like similar things that happen in newer you know incarnations of transformers um and things like that but i i do feel that they are literally elements that they added to appeal to um the the children and that's fine. it just doesn't yeah. work for me that's all <laughs> and that's fine. yeah yeah and I I'll, think, I'll um, yeah go ahead martin sorry uh, i think we do have to give this show a lot of credit for actually prioritizing adam as a character <laughs> because this feels like the most like adam he-man focused a show has been for a long time um i never felt like the mike young productions show cared about he-man as a character at all they were always more interested in the side characters um and he was i always found him quite dull in that show uh revelation he's only in two episodes um <laughs> much to you know controversial internet fame um, and like even in like live action movie um you know owing to the fact that Dolph Lundgren wasn't the best actor <laughs> Skeletor is the focus what? in that movie <laughs> <laughs> and even to an extent I think in the new adventures I think like Skeletor arguably gets more of a focus than He-Man does in that show um and this is like the first show since filmation where I felt like Adam was front and center main character he is the lead the show is about him um he's the focus of like a lot of the character development in this season um 
And to backtrack slightly, I agree with Josh on Duncan. <laughs> um, I found Duncan completely superfluous to requirements oh, in the show. Thank you. I'm not um, alone. All right. Like, have you guys watched that uh, Cobra Kai show? Yes. Yes. All I could think about with that Duncan character was that one kid in that show who was like, you know, the nerdy one that gets his arm broken at one point. Okay. You know, yeah. who, you know who I mean? And I just binged it for the first time like a couple weeks ago, so it's still fresh. But okay. that like that's all I could think about with this Duncan kid. <laughs> he sounds like him, his mannerisms, like but anyway. Maybe a bit. See, I like this Duncan because he's uh, he's like me. He's a total oversharer. He doesn't know when to shut up. He just he's his mouth is going fat, you know, as fast as it possibly can, trying to keep up with his brain. Um, not to say that my brain is fast like his, but <laughs> um, I think that's why he talks the way he does is because his brain really is going a mile a minute, and he he and he, he, thinks, he thinks he says that at one point, like he now the there. I'm getting tongue-tied. See, I can't even talk <laughs> as fast as he does. But he now has a weapon that can keep up with the speed of his brain. And I thought that was just fantastic that they have a character who is like that. Because that's a lot of people. It's not just me. That's, and that's a lot of nerds. Let's be real. Um, that just, that's part of being, I don't know, what, wherever we are on the spectrum of things in humanity but i know a lot of people that are like me uh in that sense that we just we don't know when to shut up we you know we get off on a tangent we just run with it and you know like i'm doing right now blah 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 blah, blah like super fast <laughs> um and i like that i like that representation and i like that character because i identify with him um and I think Adam, he's not here, of course, to ask, but I think he would probably love Duncan because he's a maker. Like, he loves making things. Um, so that would probably be the one he identified with most. So if there were other, you know, adults or kids that love, like, knowing how things work, taking things apart, making them work again, or making them work better, um, or building things from scratch, like, I think those type people would really love that character and think oh cool there's a character like me in this so i like him for those reasons and maybe that's the minority i don't know but i just wanted to at least throw out that i'm not saying he's like my favorite character of the show but i still like him for those reasons and i oh that's it go ahead oh i was just gonna say um i think the the uh thing that i would say along those lines is this can't th what you are saying is is all good and i i understand all of that but i think it's like it's the difference between that being done well and not being done well and the example that i would use for this is uh entrapta right in the s pop show same type mm -hmm. of thing right like the inventor making all the stuff the nerdy thing can't shut up whatever like all of the attributes you just said done incredibly well and i just don't think that that the duncan in this show is that well done <laughs> it's terrible it, apart from the age change i just i cannot i could not care less about this character like that's the that's the problem yeah. i just i think i feel like the show would be 
I would enjoy the show more if he just wasn't there at all. And I, I feel sad kind of saying that because he's just not well done to me the way that like Entrapta was in the S-Pop show. Well, yeah, he's a point there. Yeah, that comparison. I'm like, well, of course I would choose Entrapta over him. Uh, but hopefully, you know, maybe in the next season we'll get his backstory because like we have no idea where he came from. Um, we just know that he and Tila were hanging out with um, Evelyn and Cronus doing their bidding for whatever reason and Tila wasn't even getting paid yet. She was like, hope you know, Evelyn pays me this time. I'm like, girl, you haven't been paid been getting paid like why are you still doing stuff for this witch um <laughs> literal witch so it was yeah that part was just a little odd to me so i'm hoping that we're gonna get that story at some point and maybe when we do you'll care more about him because you'll understand more about him but you're right for right now we don't know enough about him for he to, him to be a it's a whole season though right like it's not like this is a week-to-week yeah. show i feel like it's if right, we we're gonna but- get it they should have they should have at least hit those points i think it was more important though for them to develop both adam and tila which they did do and i think ram ma'am and duncan are more secondary characters they Uh, they are but i would say even though at least okay at least to me crass was a much more uh like likable character then Duncan. No, see, I like Katie. I identify a little bit with Duncan, so I think, uh, like, I would. Here's how I would describe it. Uh, I always thought if I would be an actor, right? Like, if I was like a like a character actor on television, I would never be cast as the lead. I would always be like the friend, right? Like, I would be the Ethel to your Lucy or whatever. <laughs> so I, I feel that, like, while I would love to be Adam. I'm not Adam. I'm more of a Duncan. So, like, maybe that's why I, I, I felt that his portrayal for me was perfectly fine. He was kind of geeky. He was techy. Um, he talks too much, like me. Uh, kind of like, so it's like, you know, me and Katie, we're on the same vibe on the on the Duncan. Yep. <laughs> on, on the Duncan aspect. And, um, I mean, I liked his voice. I, I thought it fit. I liked his character design outside of the man-at-arms outfit looks a little clunky um i thought that could have maybe been improved those were like him and ram ma'am their powered up versions i wasn't as keen on um as i was tila and um and adam but uh yeah and when he has his faceplate closed you can barely hear what he's saying i was like oh come on (laughs) also realistic i did like there were a lot of that's true so i just this i had this written i have a post-it note and it says realistic elements um one of the one of the things people always talked about the tv show seinfeld it was it was one of the only tv shows where people would actually go to the bathroom so like elaine would leave (laughs) the conversation she'd go to the bathroom and then she'd emerge later in the scene right Mm -hmm. so like i don't know it was just it part of this show was so cool because it was realistic like adam really had to pee and he didn't know where the, <laughs> the bathroom was in castle grayskull um he fell off of a mountain and smashes his testicles and it hurts <laughs> um like i just thought there were like little kind of comedic real life elements um that i really enjoyed that they infused in the show because again like we might see that as like stupid humor right like you know adam hits his balls or whatever but like to me a kid would really find that hilarious so i think those kind of things that they weaved into the stories were really good like really good yeah that's a good point 
Yeah, I'm going back to the um, like the transformations and the designs. Like, I think pretty much all the designs are really, especially Teela's when she powers up. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's just slick. Um, but yeah, when I first saw the Man at Arms design, maybe because I saw the toy as well, um, and I just did not like it. The toy looks worse than the animation. Yeah. Figure, yeah. Um, also, I didn't like the colors. Like, I wish they had gone, and I and I do still wish they had gone with the uh, proper Man at Arms, you know, green and orange. Um, but I will say, by the end of the show, I it did grow on me his armor, the Man at Arms armor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't mind it as much. Um, but the only one that didn't do anything for me was Ram Man. Um, yeah. And I, th- I I don't know. It just looks like the helmet looks too clunky and um, it just looks it looks odd. Like it reminds me of I don't know if you guys watch that. Um, what's the anime show that's popular that My Hero Academia or whatever? like it's it's kind of like a superhero type school type show but i've never been able to get into that because i don't like any of the character designs or powers they're just so off the wall and weird and i feel like her design fits in with that and so (laughs) that's one of the reasons (laughs) i probably don't care for it uh maybe i'm projecting too much of that other show onto (laughs) her i don't know but um but yeah hers was the only one i didn't care for um but like battle cats is really cool and also um when i was kind of going through the episodes last night um i like during cringer's transformation that they still have that cringing element where he's like backing away from the lightning you know as it's as it's coming down you know so it's kind of a throwback to original cringer Mm -hmm. so i really liked that i appreciated that well, I'm glad you mentioned that that Cringer cowering before the transformation sequence when the lightning is mm-hmm. coming down. I feel like a lot of these little things that are in there actually for us are being missed by the fans that are the smaller, I would say, group of fans that are complaining about this show versus, you know, Revelation had like a much bigger outcry. Um, mm-hmm. You know, things like, you know, this is He-Man in name only. Uh, there's just so many little things in there for us like that like the fact that um two of those guards are named tu- tuvar and badra their yep. skin is the correct color obviously they probably become too bad in a later um season they mention moduloc like it's a game yes um yep. when when evelyn creates the shadow of battle cat that's basically like him battling panthor yep um i've got that in my notes too yeah like <laughs> I that was so cool. says he says later on doesn't he when he's like uh someone get me a battle cat for my yep. birthday yes <laughs> And I mean, I have to like, I'm just going to mention it now since we're kind of all over the place because we can't control ourselves. Um, (laughs) The absolute hands down going to my grave best moment, possibly the best scene ever in any (laughs) Masters of the Universe and Princess of Power media for me (laughs) is episode nine, I believe, when our when the children as they like to call them or that when you know when skeletor calls them the children or evelyn mm-hmm. or whatever they are outside of snake mountain <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> see, i'm not i'm not even going to be able to get through it if you have not watched this show 
you need to hit pause on Masters Cast and go watch episode nine and then come back and play because I don't want to spoil it. And it's seven this. minutes into episode nine because, <laughs> <laughs> because I made a point of it because I want to share Rod later. <laughs> yes. And I, I mean, Skeletor starts t- talking to Adam and the rest of them via the microphone in Snake Mountain. And it is basically one of the, the, as a fan, this is just one of the funniest scenes I have ever seen. And the only, I mean, you might get a few chuckles from children because there's like microphone feedback, but that scene was absolutely in there for the original fans of Masters of the Universe. And it is hilarious. And I would like to give the writer of that episode whose name is Peter, and I forget his last name. I looked it up. He needs an Emmy. So I'm going to send him one if I can figure out how. Give him an Emmy. Uh, that Let him write some more episodes. I, I have to look and see which other ones he wrote. I don't know if he's like responsible for some of the other. There was like another joke where when Adam's told that he's a prince, he's like, what? Now I have to wear white tights and like a funny haircut. Yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, some people will take that as they're making fun of the original show. No. Oh, come on. No. Oh, so good. It was so good. And I, actually, though, I feel more people would accept this, like the microphone scene, than they would accept the S-pop episode where they're in the filmation yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, costumes. I think this is that maybe nicer if you will like but it was just like a a, such a fantastic scene and so well acted by um ben diskin who does skeletor who is absolutely my favorite skeletor since alan oppenheimer same amen yep and rewatching it um i felt like he got better as he went along yes Mm -hmm. um and also at the the one point where um, he's Keldor and he gives himself over to Havoc and he's laughing like a madman. Yes. Um, I could not play, like it sounded so familiar to me and I couldn't place it. And then I remembered he sounds like Jafar like <laughs> I was in Aladdin, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, it, it's the same, you know, that crazy like maniacal laughter, but it was just really good. And then especially by the end of the these first 10 episodes like he is just nailed Skeletor like I thought it was you know he's doing his own thing with it he's funny he's you know I thought it was great like he's definitely my favorite Skeletor since Alan did you feel too his Keldor voice actually felt very Jafar to me to the point where I could have pictured him calling Adam like Prince Abu. Yeah. (laughs) He calls a street rat doesn't he? He does. He does. Oh my god. Yep. That's amazing. I did not think of that. I'm going to re- have to rewatch it again with that in mind. Um, Speaking of like, I have, ref- Oh, sorry, Kate. I just had to point out real quick before you go on um, that that actor, for those of you who don't know, because I went down the IMDb rabbit hole with some of these people, he was the kid in Kindergarten Cop that was always saying, boys have, or girls have a vagina, boys have a penis, whatever. I'm getting it backwards now. Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina, because his dad was a gynecologist or something. <laughs> so, but he's the most memorable kid from that movie. Like, yeah. nobody remembers the actual kid that was in danger who was being kidnapped or whatever but everybody remembers that kid that kept talking about penises and vaginas so that adorable little kid has now grown up to be our you know second favorite skeletor and that's just beautiful and i love it (laughs) how about the fact that like 
I loved the scene when when Skeletor reveals himself to Randor, and and he's like, "Are you not? Te- I can't do it. Like, I can't do the voice. But like, are you not terrified of me or whatever?" And Randor's like, "What? You got a new haircut?" Like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Martin. What were you gonna say before? Yeah. Oh, I was. Oh, um, I was just oh, going to briefly say, did anyone, the final scene where Skeletor sits on the throne in the throne room, did anyone else think that was a reference to the start of the live action movie? Um, particularly with the little side eye that Evelyn gives him when he sits on the throne. It is very live action movie, yes. I didn't think of that. I like it. Well, I, I, think I wonder the- too with Martin, do you, so, and this kind of goes back to Duncan. Um, there's a moment in one of the episodes where Duncan makes a comment where he's like, is the castle actually a ship? (laughs) Okay. And then at the end, the Eldris says something like, it's time for a new adventure. And then that's when they teleport the castle somewhere. And Josh, you mentioned earlier, liking the mini comic, new adventures more. And in Mm. in the mini comic, I haven't read it in a long time, but that's where Castle Grayskull becomes Starship Eternia. So I'm wondering if that's setting up a season two where they're up in space somewhere. I'm not saying the castle becomes Starship Eternia, but maybe they would bring in some of the the mutants. I think something like, you know, Optic Slush Head would so fit into the narrative of the show. I definitely got the impression from the fact that they took the time to have the Eldris go. And so a new adventure begins, right, like, like almost she, winking at the camera. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I, I had to rewatch it because I literally thought she like broke, like what's it called? Bro- breaking the fourth wall or whatever. <laughs> like I thought she actually turned to the camera and looked at me and almost winked and was like, new adventure. <laughs> And that, um, as you say, John, that comment about um, when Duncan says, is the, is the castle a ship? Is this the engine? Like in that episode, <laughs> no. when I first saw that, I was like, oh, is that a reference to the New Adventures uh, comics? And I thought, well, eh, it's probably just coincidence. And then by the time we got to the end, I was like, oh, so maybe like that is foreshadowing that they are going to find there is some sort of engine in the castle and we'll oh. get some sort of Starship Eternia type thing. And maybe because I'm a, a fan, obviously, right? But, like, I don't know if I'm reading into things more than I should, but I really feel that they're putting things in there for us like that. Like, if you pay attention, and I believe, I hope I'm not proven wrong on this, but when Adam, or when Randor refers to Adam, have you noticed that he'll always say, like, when he talks about him being missing or whatever, he'll say, like, my only son. He never says only child, Mm-hmm. Right, and Adam has amnesia. He doesn't remember before the tribe, right? So he wouldn't remember if he had a, a sibling. And mm-hmm. there is a there's a family portrait in the palace where it's very awkwardly staged because Keldor is standing next to a couch, R- Randor is behind the couch, Adam is in the middle of the couch. To the left of Adam is a sad-looking Queen Marlena, and to mm-hmm. the right of the of Adam is like basically an empty kind of spot on the couch for someone. Ooh, a sad and, pillow. Yeah, it's like a <laughs> pillow. And then the Eldress has a v- extremely Shira-looking tiara on, and I just mm-hmm. feel like it's like at at the very least they're leaving the possibility open for yep. something like New Adventures, something like Shira being introduced into this. Yep, I felt yep. that way too. 
Um, and also, I mean, because you never hear about Queen Marlena either mm-hmm. in this. Um, so maybe they're tied together somehow. Maybe there's a reason they're both missing. Yeah. I like it. So many questions that I hope Maybe they're answer. on Primus. <laughs> oh! No, you never know. I, I really hope the entire second season is not like on Primus or New Adventures-esque uh, or whatever. Like, it, I would think they'd be better, at well, least for me, if it's like a... Here's like a three-part adventure where we go off and we, we're going to do the new adventures thing. Okay, now we're back on Eternia for a while. Or whatever. I don't like think some- it would be, be... I mean, I don't think it would be extended, right? Because Skeletor has a... He is now in control of all of the Eterno soldiers. Right. So, like, Eternia itself is still in peril. So, I definitely think the Masters uh, would be trying to get back to the planet if... if Grayskull was relocated off of Eternia. There is a planet, if you notice, or a moon or something in the sky in a lot of shots that looks like like um, like it's been half exploded. Yes. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure that. what that was going to be either. Mm-hmm. I, I had no idea where they're going with this, but I'll just throw it out there that, you know, over the years we've had like the the dark hemisphere and the light hemisphere on uh, Eternia. And then we had like the mystic wall and you know, like all these different versions of that kind of concept. But if you go far enough back in the mythos, instead of that, it was that there were the two sister planets. That was Eternia and Infinita. Yeah. So I kind of wonder if maybe that's that instead of it being like two halves of the planet, maybe they're uh, like the planet got broken in half and that that what you're seeing in the sky is the other half of the planet and they're going to do something with with that on, i like uh, that like, i like on that. infinita i don't know that's what i thought of though when you mentioned the half like exploded planet in the sky mm-hmm. like, that, that could mm-hmm. be like when well, they are taking planet. liberties right like the area yeah. in which snake mountain is that is now called the fright zone and we obviously didn't see all of the fright zone we saw the portion where snake mountain which wicked cool design of that snake mountain uh, I yes would like a agreed set, please agreed um and um another fan thing those 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 glowing oozing dogs um they are called battle bones according to the closed captioning yeah, um, well, I thought I, Duncan mentioned that at one point too. Did he mention the words? Yeah, it's yeah, so hard I think to he did. <laughs> because um, because I remember him saying it, and I was like, oh, okay, there's a there are battle bones, and then I did what you guys suggested, turned on the subs, and when when I went back last night through them, I saw that they were mentioned, you know, as battle bones roaring or whatever mm-hmm. in that one scene. Oh. Can I say to a positive uh, note here that you guys were talking about the, the voice acting for Skeletor. Skeletor is actually like I don't I don't have a strong feeling on the Skeletor voice either way. Like he he's fine, he's good, he's not bad. It's I don't I don't feel strongly about Skeletor in this one. Um, when I thought Skeletor was Keldor when I first started the show, uh, that was a or at some point like the voice was very. I was thinking it was going to be more like Keldor's. I was very confused for a little bit there, and I wasn't uh, real into that. But Skeletor's voice was was okay, but. Uh, I do want to call out, though, in particular, uh, Adam and Tila's voice actors are very, very good. 
yeah a plus um, to adam is that's my favorite adam i think he sounds ever. almost identical to 2000x adam to me like voice acting wise it's very similar portrayal not not exactly the same he sounds very very similar and this teal has got to be one of the best uh teela portrayals the uh, voice acting wise that we've ever had i think that's yuri lowenthal for adam and kimberly brooks for teela yeah, I, I went actually last night and looked up the voice cast. Um, and I mean, this is like a solid cast. Like they, yes, they are very experienced. They've been in video games. Like the guy who does Adam's voice, I kind of recognized it. Um, and I didn't realize until I looked it up that he does um, Peter Parker, the Spider-Man voice in the PlayStation games, oh. like the most recent ones. Um, so, I mean, he does so much stuff. Then you've got, like, Tom Kenny, who does Spongebob. He did Orko's voice. Um, uh, who was it that does... Hang on, I wrote it down. While you're looking um, at it, one thing I wanted to say was what I liked about this cast is it's not... Uh, for I don't know how to say this. I don't want to say this in a mean way, but Revelation has what many would call stunt casting, right? Because yeah. it's like they want the name. So, okay, we have Sarah Michelle Gellar as Tila. We have Mark Hamill as... Skeletor, and one of the complaints, right, is, oh, Mark Hamill's using his Joker voice. Now, I did feel that he, I watched Batman Mask of the Phantasm last night, and at no point did I feel that the Joker sounded like Skeletor, so I do feel that Mark Hamill differentiated enough for me, uh, his Skeletor versus um, uh, Joker, but Ben Diskin here on this show is a real good example of how you can have that kind of sounding Skeletor voice, but give it that pizzazz that makes it different from something like Joker. I yeah. wish that there was a bigger differentiation in the voices, though, between Adam and He-Man. Like, basically, right, there really isn't. I don't think he's. Doing yeah, they did start to blend together. Uh, yeah, so I'm not. I'm not. Uh, like, from a, especially from a personal standpoint, I'm obviously not looking at it, so I don't know. Maybe the voice fits just fine and whatever. But for it me, does it would have been a lot. Look youthful as He-Man. Yeah, it would have been a lot easier to for me to follow some parts of the show too. Like sometimes I'm like, well, is he Adam or He-Man right now? I don't. I can't quite tell. Well, yeah. sometimes the closed captioning was wrong. It would say Adam, but he was actually He-Man. Yeah, so it's like I feel like there should be more differentiation um, there. With that character, it's definitely the least that we've ever had in any of the shows. <laughs> so. One of those things they might want to look at in future things is kind of like what the New Adventures did. There were separate actors for Adam versus He-Man. Because even in New Adventures, I love, or not New Adventures, uh, Mike Young, I loved Cam Clark's Prince Adam. Yes. But I didn't I really like his He-Man. So, like, you could have had a different actor playing the roles, given visually they do look uh, different. Oh, no it didn't bother me but i see y'all's point as well yeah i think i think at the beginning he tried to differentiate the voices more um mm. but then it just kind of blended together by the end okay. like he i mean that's that's just kind of my feeling on it um oh, but yeah it definitely that. seems like for this cast they went with like seasoned voice actors yes. as opposed to you know big name you know, they actors. did during the um, Mike Young series as well. That was yeah. the, the very much the same strategy, yeah. I think, to the point where 
Matt at Arms and Mike Young was the voice of He-Man in New Adventures. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and well, I mean, and a lot of those, a lot of people on that show were like actors, not just voice actors, but like actor actors as well, right? From like, uh, like the guy, I forget his name, Chris something that played Zodak was from Stargate, SG-1 and uh, things <laughs> like that as well. So, yeah. And of course, Cam Clark was from the Ninja Turtles and everything else. So they definitely had a season cast on that show as well. I still would like to give props to, for anyone that hates the new adventures, I still love Gary Chalk as He-Man, and I would have not complained if he was He-Man in the Mike Young show instead of Man-at-Arms, even though I he did a great Man-at-Arms. Yeah, I do not like him as He-Man in the new adventures. I loved him as Man-at-Arms in uh, in uh, Mike Young. So um he's not a bad actor by any means as this voice doesn't for me didn't feel right for he-man and, and like i mean in this one it doesn't really feel right either like it's that's adam's voice it should be we should have a different voice for he-man in most shows i've been kind of okay with uh whoever's played he-man voice acting wise but i have a really important question for everyone what is that how do y'all feel oh i sound like katie how y'all feel um, <laughs> that no one is particularly scared of Skeletor um, visually, except perhaps um, Trapjaw and Evelyn when he emerges naked from the, <laughs> from the pool. That was hysterical. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to bring that up. I was like, how can I bring up Skeletor coming out of the pool? I mean, you don't see anything, <laughs> but it's clear that he is naked. Yeah, and, that's um, clear has no inhibitions he's just like <laughs> <laughs> i kind of like that it subverts the um like there's the very deliberate scene in the mike young show where he's like and the name is skeletor <laughs> like king randall's like <gasps> and i like in this one he's like um when he reveals himself to randall no one's bothered and then when he talks to the kids they're like why don't you call yourself skull at all and he's like what <laughs> oh, am i misremembering but wasn't there like a thing that was a skeletor in something somewhere like something that didn't get released or maybe something in a mini comic or something like i have like a very vague memory of that name being from somewhere does anybody skeletor? Skeletor? remember skeletor I don't know. Oh, Maybe I'm no. misremembering something. But it was a funny joke. That again, that episode was the microphone episode. <laughs> so yes, it was a I have a microphone, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Stupid technology. And I love that the, the eyes like lit up as he yes. was talking. Yeah. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> um uh, oh, and I got to give one more shout out for to, for to a voice actor. Um, David Kay is my new favorite cringer. Yes. Oh, my God. To me, he sounds like Alan Oppenheimer in like Falcor mode. Yes. Um, and I just am. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. I even tweeted at him. I was like, I don't know if you were trying to channel Alan Oppenheimer, but oh, my God, you nailed it. It was brilliant. I love it. Keep it up. Kind of I thought he was meant to be Optimus Prime. I was going to say Liam Neeson. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, he does kind of sound Liam Neeson-y. You know what? He voiced um, Megatron in Beast Wars and the Beast Machine series. Oh, I thought that was okay. the same guy. Yeah. But he, I mean, he's he was just phenomenal. Like, he, that's definitely my favorite cringer. I love the mentor cringer. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and his backstory and everything like it i think it's awesome i like how oh. um when they mention uh they do mention the snake men or the snake people mm-hmm. uh cringer mentions because he's reading about them in the library and he says you know isn't everybody reading about you know from the books in the library and they're like no and he's like children shame yes and again oh my god oh my god that's also that's all the same episode leanne oh my gosh that's oh, also it- where cringer but right before he reveals more about the snake men or whatever right that's when when they go into snake mountain he's like and these type of fortresses oh, classically right. have trap trap doors and da, da, like all the features of the old snake mountain <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. play sets oh it was just amazing yeah it was amazing <laughs> I and hope they, were, they bring in the real Orko at some point. Yeah, me too. I think they will. Cool. Because uh, they Tila seem to be laying the ascended, seeds for right? Like that the mm-hmm. Trollans ascended to their other dimension or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And we don't know where the castle's going to end up now. True, it could end up on Trolla. You never know. Oh. And like, or two, like, it's weird how they mention the merfolk and the Avalonians, right? But they yes. never show them. So, like, that's also, I feel, going to be something that probably is is brought in maybe in season two. Maybe they start to rise up against Skeletor at first. Yeah, okay, so this is, this is one of my things, right? So, a lot of the times, the few times that they're mentioned, the merfolk and, um, you know, Stratos' peeps, um, which, by the way, just mentioning them is way more stratos than i ever got in revelation and i appreciate that like even just an acknowledgement is just i'll take it you know (laughs) but um because they're mentioned together kind of like you know how there's these matchups going on in the show where like you have you know trap jaw versus man at arms and um you know beast man versus cringer and you know there's there's these villain hero matchups so mm-hmm. i wonder if you're going to get a stratos merman rivalry matchup type thing hmm. oh possibly i think that's i think that's plausible i also find that it's interesting that they seem to go with possibly accents for the Stratos people, remember? Yes, apparently they're French. They're French, right? But in (laughs) MYP, he was like Scottish or something, right? So it's like... Yeah, I mean, that's... that's, Hey, you know what? I'm open to it. I'm open to seeing what the deal is with them. But I wonder... Because, you know, in that one point, there's that weird-ass French song Yes, I was just going to say, is that not the most, like... I was just like, what is this French song? Like, I that was it was so out of place that it worked. Yeah, me. and yeah. I'm wondering, like, is that, um, you know, a song, a, a Strato song? Like, is that like, you know? Yeah, is it tied to that <laughs> them? Because it is kind of when when Duncan like slows down all the tech. Yeah, and he's allowed to like kind of throw it out of the air where it's floating. It and goes then, like Quicksilver mode yeah like it's where like, he's going faster than everything else yeah he's yeah, like the flash yeah. yeah he's like the flash yeah i like no, the flash I, better I, than quicksilver katie so we're gonna go with the flash <laughs> i'm happy with both either you know what i mean the proper scarlet speedster 
But yeah, and then because Duncan had mentioned before when he was, um, you know, working on Orko that, you know, they say voila or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering, is that like a song from their people? Or you know, <laughs> is that like Birdman? One of the Birdman songs that's like <laughs> super popular on Eternia or something. I don't know. <laughs> and it's on the sa- it's on the soundtrack, right? I think it was on the soundtrack when I listened to it in the car. Oh, I hope so. I need to go check yeah. that out. <laughs> it's on for anyone. They, you know, it's on Spotify and uh, Apple Music. So stream it. Nice. Like Martin and I have been repeating that theme song over and over again. <laughs> it's still going in my head as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to sleep again. That song it's just, just the main whoa, whoa, <laughs> just constantly. <laughs> even as I'm talking now, I, I hallucinated hearing it as I was doing my shopping this morning. I was like, "Are they playing the theme song in Sainsbury's?" And it wasn't that at all. It was something completely different. But in my head, I could just hear in the distance. <laughs> One thing I wanted to mention was, um, I you guys already mentioned the Snake Men. You know, Cringer explained the Snake Men, so I like how they established that. I do like that they're putting some little tiny horde references in. I feel like they're being more careful with the horde, okay, mm-hmm. than they are with the Snake Men. So, so here's my theory on that. So they mentioned the Fright Zone, and that's now on Eternia. Um, when Eva Lynn is, is powered up, Tila, or Sorceress, sorceress style Tila calls on the power of Zor uh, and then Evelyn calls on that Horikoth which is that's like a new thing that was in the classic bios and the Eternian or Eternity War comic series I gotta re-read that but basically there was like three magical totems right like Zor Horikoth and Serpos Um, Mm -hmm. so I'm thinking that Evelyn might be some type of connection now to the horde perhaps and maybe that's because she is a witch and then you know you have like shadow weaver you have that kind of stuff um i don't know i would just made me think that they are they're 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 doing less groundwork maybe with the horde because possibly with shira rights and all of that stuff like maybe they would use the snake men before they would use snake men and new adventures before horde which i'm okay with um, Let me uh, just comment in here as well, uh, something that had occurred to me uh, as far as the Fright Zone thing goes, because this is a, one of those things that's kind of been part of my headcanon forever, and this may be sort of where they're going as well. Again, because this is all, you know, we tend to think of the Fright Zone, right, in the filmation sense, where it, it's where Hordak lived on Etheria and Battle Shira from and so on and so forth. But if you go far enough back in like the mini comics and stuff, the Fright Zone like playset was supposed to be on Eternia in some of those. Yeah, um, there was like a portal in which you yeah, go with Etheria. Well, there was that that thing too. So I'm wondering, in my, my, in my head, it was always sort of like wherever the Horde kind of set, sets up base, like they call that base on Eternia or Etheria or any number of planets that they've taken over, that where their base is is the Fright Zone for that planet. So if, oh. if Hordak does f- feature in here and was once on Eternia um, and maybe, you know, whatever, tutored Keldor or not or whatever, like maybe the Snake Mountain's just part of the Fright Zone of Eternia and there will be other Fright Zones. What would be great is 
I would love it in that Fright Zone, maybe even near Snake Mountain there, is the, it'll look sort of like the Fright Zone playset because we've never had that in animated form. Because I think they would do wonders with like that tree that comes alive and yes. maybe the monster and stuff. And the maybe dragon. they would, yeah. yeah, they would go there to perhaps, you know, go through some type of portal to get to wherever maybe Adora is or, or something like that. Or it could like be that. like all Fright Zones are linked or something like that. Yes. Oh, that's a good them. idea. I like that. Let's hire you on the team too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, joshdelioncourt.com. There's contact information right there, people. I'm, I write books, fantasy books, if you want ideas. Did, did um go ahead katie i was just gonna say did any of you guys pick up this was in episode one um i think it was after he man first transforms and tila's trying to like jump up the way you know she's like laying on her back and she's like i'm trying to jump up onto my feet uh, cool like that cool people thing do whatever yes and she can't do it and he does it and then he picks her up and they like linger for a second after he sets yes. her down and yeah. she just says don't make it weird and i was like oh my god that's a total throwback to filmation when he's carrying her <laughs> exactly i think where my they're went. setting they're totally setting up an eventual i think adam tila romance yep i think so too maybe either even if they don't i just loved that connection back to the old show is at least that's what it brought to mind for me um, that very iconic him carrying her off into the sunset. She's like, really? I'm fine. I can walk. He's like, no, it's fine. I don't mind. Whatever he says. Um, well, I feel he has better chemistry with Crass anyway. Like, I kind yeah. of feel because she's in the Tila role, he kind of has that, uh, like, I feel like they would actually make a better couple than Tila and Adam in the, in this one if, we have to, if we're going to go, you know, one of those routes. We're starting shipping already. Wow, guys. <laughs> I was trying to stay away from it since they're kids, as Josh says. Um, (laughs) Well, to Josh's credit, Skeletor does call them the children and Evelyn's like the brats. I I really am not a fan of the the whole let's make them kids thing, but it's it's okay. It's just I don't even like More more with Duncan than anybody else. (laughs) Like, that was the one that really rubs me the wrong way, I think, because I already don't like that character. But can we um, let me play off of that just a second because I'm listening to you guys and I was kind of thinking about bits and parts of this conversation so far um, and it just uh, I, just throwing this out there may, maybe um, part of the problem is is that they've they've sort of made right like Adam Tila Duncan Crass is sort of like our core hero team or whatever for this show Maybe part of the problem that um, I have with, especially with Duncan and to a lesser extent with Crass, is that if you're going to have a very clearly defined hero team like this, I think that all of the characters need to be more developed than they are. And like they've spent a lot of time on Adam and Tila, and there it may be just that there's not enough time to give them all that but if that's the case maybe this should have been a trio maybe they should have done things a little bit differently to to make you really uh have more of a connection with all with the the entire group that you're supposed to be going here you know i'll point to like you know harry potter or whatever right we've got like the trio in that with harry and ron and hermione and they all 
they all have their you know harry's our main character but they all have their time and everybody's got like their favorite right of the tree like oh i'm a ron fan or i'm a hermione fan or whatever it is and because they're they're all given uh you know, they're all developed enough to be um to, to make you care about all of them to a, you know a greater or lesser extent and i don't feel like especially duncan but duncan and crass they don't feel like get enough uh, attention and enough story uh like story oomph behind those characters to make me care very much i mean i'm not defending it i do think this is a pitfall uh, kind of typically of this type of children's programming at least i do see it with power rangers i think leanne would agree like oftentimes your red ranger and your pink ranger so the main man and the main woman character right they tend to get more story development and or screen time than the other rangers yeah. that don't tend to get developed as much i'm not defending it i agree with you i would like to see more development on all of the characters yeah i think maybe though doing four might have been too much like if they had cut it down by one and either just have it be adam teal across or adam teal duncan it might have made you care more about about the three i think four might be part of the problem is that they've they've got one they've got more characters in that core team than they've got time for in a 25 minute animated series maybe they'll come out with like some supplementary that's not a word i'm glad you mentioned that katie i was hoping they're gonna come out with like books like they did with s-pop so there's already that's going to come out at the very least is a is a character guide oh cool for this show uh so that might actually expand on some things that we didn't see and i'm not saying that's a way to justify it either because if you don't have the book right you're most people are only going to go by the animated show right. yeah um, but i was wondering if the book was going to expand a bit on the character since it is a is a character guide it's already up for a pre-order on on amazon etc nice from Scholastic too, which is the same company that put out the S-Pop books. So I'm assuming, and this is just me assuming, I haven't looked it up, or either that or I missed the news that oh, hopefully we'll get some uh, additional adventure books too, which might help. Yeah, that would be super cool. Super okay. cool. Super cool. This super show cool. is not terrible. That is my final take on this show. <laughs> you know what like, though? I, I think, uh, I'm glad though, Josh, because because I know, you know, in the lead up to this, you really were not looking forward to this, no, to this show. I really so, wasn't. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that's good that, you, you know, you said it wasn't terrible. That's. Yeah. Oh, I'll take it. Like, yeah. Because, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, leading up to Thursday, listening to you and, you know, we were getting the trailers and everybody was talking about it and they were releasing little scenes and on YouTube and all these things. And everybody in the Masters cast chat that we've got going was all excited for it. And I was like, really getting bummed out because I was just like, I cannot care. Like, I, I want to care. And the, everything that we're hearing about this is you know turning me off and while though some of those elements are still there and they still turn me off and there's still things i don't like this show was infinitely better than i anticipated i thought that i was going to like it even less than new adventures and it it you know that is not a high bar but it did reach above that bar and i this is not a terrible show this is for what they set out to do it's good it is not 
you know it, it's not really for me but i don't hate it either it's like like i said kind of like the jungle he-man or new adventures or whatever it's like i don't really hate those things they're just not my cup of tea i like i like my masters a little darker i like it a little more serious um you know that was how if you guys remember this is what i said about the s pop show as well right like it's it's a good show uh but it's not the show i wanted and like this one is kind of that um as well i don't think this one is as good as s pop was at least not at this point maybe after we see more seasons you know we have 52 episodes versus 10 so but right yeah. where we stand right now i feel like i liked s pop better overall um but neither one of them is the show that i wanted right so and that's okay like they're different shows for different audiences and and uh and that's fine i think what happens with fans is you have that kind of level like you're handling it way better and i think it's because you actually did like some aspects of this like more so than say new adventures or something but like i think a lot of fans they it's not i don't want to say fomo but like it's that kind of like they're bummed out that this new new piece of media comes out and they're excited and then it's such a letdown for them that they feel the need to kind of hate on it or hate on the people that like it like i've i've seen comments that like you know basically i'm i just like everything right like i'm the type of fan that likes anything they throw at me and i i disagree with that because again i'll use batman as an example and i've said this on several other of our podcasts king gray skull no (laughs) but no but i'm just saying with batman i liked the adam west show i liked batman the animated series i liked the the first two burton films i sort of like batman forever still i can't stand any of the nolan films i watched all of them i don't like them Mm-hmm. But that's okay. Lots of people like those. I can still go back and watch Batman 89 if I want to, right? I don't need the Nolan ones. I don't need... It, it's So it's a little disappointing I didn't like them. And I still go see every movie that has Batman in it. Like I saw, you know, Justice League and I saw Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> I know. Well, actually... I really like that Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League. It's still very dark and depressing, but like it was much even though it was four hours long. Um, it was <laughs> definitely better than the theatrical uh, cut. But I digress. My point is that I don't, I don't, I don't would never go up to someone and say, you just like everything that Batman's in or how dare you think that like that Christopher Nolan film is, is good. Like, like what they did to the Joker. Like that's not Joker. Well, who, like you said, headcanon, right? That might not be Joker to me, but that still can be Joker. Joker can evolve and devolve. Um, you know, he's never going to just be uh, Cesar Romero, uh, you know, which was his first big media right. portrayal. So uh, I just, I really, really wish people would give things a fair shake. And that includes Revelation. We only even saw half of that, right? So mm-hmm. that's why I'm reluctant to say that I actually like this show more than Revelation because you know everyone wants to rank things too. It's like we can't just live in harmony. We have to say like, <laughs> well, the Filmation show is still better and this is still better and it's like, eh, okay. Um, but, I think uh, you can rank shake, things you know? like for your personal preference. Right, um, and that's all it is. But it's that's all that it means because the shows are so different, right? Like a, a, a show aimed at 80s children and a show aimed at today's children versus a show aimed at adults versus a you know a live action theatrical movie like these are different audiences and comparing them really does a disservice you know to 
to all to all of them. Really. Well, and Martin brought up a good point way earlier in the episode where you said something, Martin, about like it, it's to the point where they probably were thinking too, like how many times can we piggyback off of the same story? It doesn't seem to resonate with children. At least 2000X did not, um, despite us feeling it was pretty fantastic at the time, us being the adult fans. Mm. Um, so by taking points of the mythos and kind of putting it in a mixer and and giving it some some fresh ingredients i i don't think is a is a bad thing and again it doesn't destroy your childhood and your experience with the brand i think it's more of these individuals just feeling left out and not knowing how to cope with that well yeah, I, think- I mean I mean, ultimately, this series is geared towards kids. Yes. And I think that's a good thing, because if you can bring in a whole new generation of fans, I mean, that's good for everybody, because that mm-hmm. keeps the brand going. Right. And um, that means there'll be more of the stuff that's for uh, for the adult fans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah, I 100% agree. Well, do we have any final thoughts? Anything else you need to say? Uh, what? My notes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear you, John. I have a microphone. You don't. <laughs> this is the last antiquated technology. <laughs> I need to go back and add in some microphone feedback sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> this show was definitely, you know, better than I expected. I'm glad I didn't hate it, and. uh you know, we'll revisit again as new seasons uh, come out. But and I, I fully expect uh, you know that my feelings on this show may evolve over time, just like they did. This show only came out as we record this, like three days ago, right? So maybe over time, I will like it more or less, depending or aspects of it more or less. It's still sort of settling in. And I was on such a massive roller coaster with this show. It's like there were things I liked, things I didn't. And I'm just glad that it, it, it all the core pieces of what makes Masters Masters is there. So I, I really um, have a have a bone to pick with <laughs> uh, with fans who say it's human and name only. It can it can not be for you, and that's okay. I don't really think this is for me, but uh, saying it's it's not uh, that it's human and name only is an idiotic statement, as far as I'm concerned. Agreed. <laughs> And like how we like to celebrate all things Masters of the Universe and Princess of Power, including the new show, which even Josh liked, um, I think it's always important when we celebrate our fellow fans and friends and listeners of the podcast. And um, uh, I'm going to hand it over to Leanne for kind of a, a little a little special statement we want to make. Uh, yeah, um, about a week ago, um, our friend Darren Filsel. Uh, passed away suddenly um, and we're I mean I'm still pretty much in shock uh, because I've known I've known uh, Darren for geez over 20 years like we met on the uh, Grayskull mailing list back in the day like I remember having like all these discussions with him um, when I was still in college you know just these we would write these long emails back and forth to each other and you know then 
you know, with Facebook and stuff. We were Facebook friends. We, you know, talked on the phone. He, uh, he's, he's part of a podcast called the Toy Power Podcast. And I mean, if you listen to that show, which is, which is excellent, um, he's just a wealth of knowledge about all things pop culture and especially, you know, Masters of the Universe and Batman, um, Ninja Turtles, you know, all sorts of stuff. I mean, he was just such a knowledgeable guy, um, a genuine, sweet person. I mean, he would do anything for anybody. And um, so it's it's a big loss um, to the the fan community as a whole because I know a lot of us knew him and have interacted with him in the past. Um, so I just want to uh, extend our condolences to his family and friends and uh, the Toy Power podcast crew. Um, you know, we're all... We're all definitely going to feel the loss. Absolutely. I was just as shocked as you, and you've definitely known him longer. I don't necessarily remember him from the mailing list, but I think on the message board maybe where we connected. Um, I'd never talked to him on the phone. I didn't have that pleasure, but I loved hearing his accent anytime he would send me i think he would send me like voice clips or was maybe it was a guest on other podcasts at other times before they started you know the one he was he sadly just uh left unwillingly um but i was always like oh my god i love your accent because he was from australia and i am just addicted to british and australian and new zealand all those accents and he's always he was always so surprised like really i think i sound terrible and i'm like no honey you sound amazing <laughs> um he, and he would always not to say he was down on himself but he never um i don't think he ever believed in his strength as much as i did i i remember several times him downplaying things he would do or say and that me reassuring him and just saying like guy you are doing so much like he was he worked in like social work um like he was a stand-up citizen in his community in his country um he was taking care of his elderly parents at one point um he had a lot on his plate but he would still reach out and check on me and other people and see if we were okay um even though he was dealing with a lot himself so that kind of selfless um individual you don't come across very often in a lifetime and i'm super sad that another one has gone way too early and i wish you know i had taken more time to get to know him and you know there's always that hindsight you know once someone has passed but he you know when rob um we lost you know our, our fan buddy rob several years ago um he actually messaged me about that and said i forget exactly i put it on facebook but now i'm gonna forget what he said exactly but it was something along the lines of you know even if you didn't specifically tell the person what they meant to you they know in other ways because they're able to pick it up from other interactions and so forth. So um, wherever you are, Darren, I hope you picked up on how much love was felt for you um, from Leanne, myself, and from anyone else in the fandom who had the pleasure of knowing you at all. Um, You are going to be very, very sorely missed. He was humble. He was positive. 
Um, and I mean, he was always such a very nice kind of online friend and always very supportive uh, of the podcast. And yeah. like Leanne, I remember him from the the mailing list and but more so like you, Katie, on the HeMan.org forums. Um, yeah, and he was yep. just he was just a stand up guy, and um, we've had some losses recently in the fan community, and um, it's it's very sad. I think a lot of people are you know, taken before their time, um, and uh, I just felt it's always nice to kind of acknowledge them and just even how uh, they were a positive light in our our lives. Um, so. A, a great legacy and I definitely like Leanne said I echo check out uh, the podcast that he uh, was involved with um, mm -hmm. just like he would uh, uh, check out ours all the time so he will not be forgotten let's put it that way definitely but on that note we always thank everyone for downloading uh, Masters Cast since we've been on what 16 years now um, uh, so thanks for sticking with us, even though uh, we don't have a regular recording schedule uh, all the time. Um, but to make sure you don't miss an episode, uh, we definitely recommend subscribing to us. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Spotify. We're now on Amazon Music. So all of your favorite uh, podcast vehicles, uh, you can subscribe to us, automatically get those episodes. Uh, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash masterscast. We always post when we do the new episodes uh, there as well. So thanks for downloading. I am John Kellis, also known as The Shadow. I'm Katie Carty Hiley, also known as Rainbow Bright. I am Martin Penny, also known as Wacky Martin. I am Leanne Hanna, also known as Stratosmacker. And I'm Josh Delancourt, also known as Lioncourt. Good, Good.